Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. Uh, I'm Aaron Stark. I, I am a author slash public speaker slash motivational speaker slash huge fan of the movie. And I'm Condra. I'm from the Amateur Nerds. Ah, thank you both. You're both returning uh, co-hosts slash guests, what have you. <laughs> it's all very, as I, as, I, as I just said in the green room about something else, I think, but loosey-goosey. But, uh, you know, you've, you've been on before and you've been able to come in again, both of you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me back. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so this is Minute 65 of uh, this week. Um, and it starts with William writing in the bathtub and ends with Penny making plans with William. That's something that they kind of seem to do a lot. You know, they, they, they talk to each other about these plans that they, some, they have <laughs> at points about going to Morocco. And, <laughs> and William seems like he's almost overloaded with all of the work that he's in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seems to kind of be handling it okay, although you can see by all the notes thrown around everywhere yeah. that he's a bit scattered yeah his his brain seems to be functioning similar to what how he has things laid out here in the bathtub with with all these uh little scraps of paper with you know notes written on them and which it, which definitely comes back later in the movie with someone griping about all these uh notes notes he's given to the to the publisher Rolling Stone. Well, I think it's a good good parallel between the two characters that <clears throat> he is trying to work his way through all the details of his story and has all of this stuff all trying to get it all organized. And she just kind of waltzes through, sits down, <laughs> goes to the bathroom right in the middle of it, and doesn't really care, <laughs> and doesn't really pay attention to what's going around. He's like, "What? What? Why? Why are you upset? I'm just going to the bathroom." Well, it's it's better than turning on the water in the bathtub itself. <laughs> That'd be really yeah. rude to, with all these uh, delicate pieces of paper that would with with uh, important things written on them could get washed. I, I don't away, think but... she thought of it as. I don't think she really thought of it as rude. I think she was trying. That was kind of just a friendly thing. She's like, "Oh, you're just 
That's normal. I'm I'm just peeing. You're just here. What's yeah, it's 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 one of these intimate things, and I I kind of made mention of this like what two or three weeks ago now at least. Um, with uh on the bus when when she lays her head on his shoulder, you know, I mean that's that's just something you do when as you're getting closer to people. I mean, it doesn't you know it's not a big you know, man, woman, or, or the, whatever, uh, genders attract each other, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it can happen, uh, very, uh, platonically, uh, these, these types of acts that she, that she's definitely doing <laughs> towards him. Almost, almost, uh, little, little big brother or something or other <laughs> around there. <laughs> cause, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure we, we, we're, we're pretty certain that she's a, He's at least he's at least a little bit younger than she is. I always kind of picked up yeah. that they were only within a year or two. That yeah. she was that she was only maybe a, a year or two older. She was lying about her age too, so she was <laughs> she's down on the low end of maybe sixteen or so, and he's fourteen. 13. I was just thinking, like the gesture of uh, her putting her uh, head on and the familiarity, it could also just very much like he grew up in what seemed to be a pretty, not loveless yeah. uh, family, but the how to show affection was very different and it could very mm-hmm. much just come down to this how to show affection and um, even like love languages and how they express affection towards one another and um, that I was just thinking about that. Um, and how their upbringing could impact that. I think that's a good point. I think that, from my estimation, it's her kind of like bringing him into the in-group. You know, like she has she has her fantasy world that she's in, that she's on this trip, but they're going with the bands. And, and then she even says like, oh, if it was only the real world here, you know, mm-hmm. like that they have, she's in this fantasy world and she wants to include him. So since he's part of the group, he gets to do what everybody else does. No one else would care. I think it's it's um, that kind of that love language you were talking about, like a sign of affection for from her that he's normal. It's just part of the group. You can you can be yourself here. Um, something that uh, does happen that that happens here when they uh, cut back to the girls out in the room, and that's when that's when she goes in. Um, but you know, she, she, she's saying she has to pee, and that's her getting up, and that's when Polexia says, "Let's deflower the kid." Um, now, right before that, in the in the director's cut, I would I would like to say real quick before we really get into that <laughs> aspect, um, th- there is the the very quick deleted shot, like two or three shots back and forth, pretty quick, and just a little bit of dialogue, and that's of of um, uh, Beth saying they're, they're, they got this. I, I I made mention of this last last week on the TV. They're watching Steely Dan perform reeling in the ears and we definitely continue that throughout the whole minute and even into i think a good chunk of next minute uh in, very much in the background um go, coming through the wall um uh but uh beth says about one i, I believe just probably just one of the band members uh either either um uh, uh walter becker or donald fagan um wow cute and if 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 you were to i mean i think you can get you know you you can definitely find i'll, I'll have to post it on the the a clip the the, the actually this actual this is from uh, the midnight special that ran throughout essentially the 70s and into the very early 80s 
um, a TV show. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely have to post and 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 show a picture of the two guys, and that leads to um, uh, Sapphire's nonverbal response of her taking off her sunglasses and kind of giving a quizzical look back to Beth. You know, like you think one of either of those guys is cute. You know, is, I think is is the idea. Um, so that's just a very, very small thing that, uh, you know, it's one of the other things that, uh, uh, Cameron realized, uh, just needs to trim here and there. A lot of little things, um, to get it down to much closer to the two hours that, uh, the studio wanted. Well, and this is one of the few scenes in the movie with Hackwin, who is one of my, was at the time, one of my favorite actors. I was a huge fan of hers, X Men, which was a couple years yeah. after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also a huge fan of Feruza Balk. I actually had a massive crush on Feruza Balk when I was a kid. Um, from I the between the craft and Island of Doctor Moreau, I think I'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed that movie. And that I, I thought that she was gorgeous in both those movies. I she was a teen crush. For so having and then Kate Hudson, this movie made me fall in love with Kate Hudson. I just loved her. So that was kind of for a for a young teen me. This scene was kind of like I was very excited to see all of them together. But um, uh, like I was saying, uh, Plexia says, "Let's deflower the kid." Um, you know, then then it cuts back to what we what we're talking about. Uh, Penny uh, sitting down on the. On the toilet. Um, and uh, William goes into this big thing about, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, being being in the presence of seeing uh, uh, a girl that, especially one that he likes, you know. I mean, if, it, if, if he did kind of have that sister vibe mentality coming from him towards her, um, I mean, he did have that older sister, but uh, a good bit older than than this, like like we're like we're talking about the possible age difference, you know that 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 could have been, uh, you know, if if only uh, Anita had been a lot closer in age to him, maybe he'd he'd be more, uh, more in the line of thinking of Penny as the older sister. But nope, he really does have a big crush on her, and therefore this kind of uh, throws him for a loop. <laughs> It was in I I I was doing other looking up some other stuff, but I stumbled across that Kate Hudson had initially auditioned slash kind yeah. of gotten the role as the sister, and That's like true. thinking about that was very bizarre because that age difference yeah definitely would not have been there as much, and just thinking about Kate Hudson as Anita is just a very uh. it, it it doesn't make sense to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> I guess that it like worked out well because it just doesn't seem to work in my brain but i don't know no yeah i agree yeah um and and the way the way william says this that you know get to know each other a little bit better and then i'd see you pee i mean you know that's just the way i usually do it that's that's uh i I was definitely looking (laughs) a a fair amount for this minute and the next one especially too at uh, tv tropes uh online um 
looking for, at this page as well as you know trying to search some other possible possible things but that's one i didn't see by i, I really see it as being a trope in tvs and, and movies you know you know a, a guy or i don't know about girls if they would yeah i would think that that, that some girl there's there could be some girl characters throughout uh, tvs and movies that uh that uh you know play off you know uh you know by saying you know oh that's just the way i i I usually do this or that what have you in these uh in interactions with with the opposite sex or or same sex whichever whichever way you go no i I think that idea of progression and some sense of logical forward motion it, it I think it's an applicable thing. I think it's part of like societal understanding is, oh, this is how things are based mm-hmm. on these preconceived rules that may or may not be valid for everyone, but some people find comfort in them. I agree. I think that uh, he is definitely someone that finds comfort in the rules. He's a bit <laughs> off-put by <laughs> the breaking of them. His mom is definitely where he gets the comfort from his rules, she would not exist comfortably in this kind of environment. Although I do think that his mom, if his mom was on tour with a rock band, that the rock band would be doing a lot better, like monetarily. I think <laughs> that she'd figure out the books and, and get everything nailed down, and they would not be spending all their money frivolously on parties, they'd, and they'd all have a really nice sweater. <laughs> so the so the real competition for. Uh... The uh, the later manager that comes in <laughs> could have yeah. been could have been yeah. Lane versus versus Dick. <laughs> I don't think they would have enjoyed the tour, but I think it would have been successful. <laughs> um. So then, uh, Penny is you know you know saying that you're one of us and and talking about the next stop, the Cleveland stop, and uh, even Bowie. David Bowie is going to be at this, I guess, this hotel is called Swingos. Yeah, greatest hotel in America. I looked up Swingos. I was very curious about it. I've been to Cleveland for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I went in like 2010. And um, Hmm. I didn't realize Swingos was as much of a thing, but it was really interesting to read about it. And the article that I was reading that was written in Cleveland um, about the owner's passing basically and telling a little bit about the history of the hotel and talking about how Almost Famous really hinged on a lot of the things that like Swingos remained popular in more modern times because of, to some extent, Almost Famous, which I thought was cool. I wonder if they started throwing parties like the the movie after the movie just so they could be like... I I mean, I don't know how much they would want. They were saying, like, the Led Zeppelin party that th- is really famous, like, cost over $13,000 worth of damage. So, I mean. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Led Zeppelin was especially <laughs> notorious for their huge damages. And it, oh, the, yeah. article, the article was saying, like, they brought an accountant just to figure out the damages on tour with them. Yeah, Led Zeppelin was one of the most epic bands to destroy a, a hotel room. That was in Motley Crue, I guess. <laughs> Swingo's just allowed it, though. Like, Frank Sinatra coming up with a bunch of ridiculous requests, and they're like, yep, we're going to meet all of these requests. Yeah. And 
Elvis and yeah. So they set a precedent, so Yeah. I do like see in this scene. I do see in this scene near the end of it, though, that um, he he seems to be trying to instill a bit more order on her. He's like he was. He's questioning at the end of it, like why do why are we doing this? I don't remember the exact line. There was there was a scene at the very end of the minute where he looks at her and he gives a line that's really serious. Yeah, and it, it certainly get, gets cut here to the next minute. But yeah. it's, don't you have any? Regular yeah, don't you have any regular friends? Fra- yeah, don't, don't you? Don't you have any <laughs> regular friends? It's friends? It's like every time that she talks about <laughs> it's not the real world and yeah. it, all the stuff that the wild stuff that she does, he's he's always searching for who's under the persona. Like he wants to figure out who she is under the, under the mm, the yeah. facade that she constantly walks around. And I think that that ties into the whole theme of the movie that he's he's constantly searching for the real her when she's trying to fight to hold the fictional her intact. And the more that she tries to fight that, the more it gets damaged by partying too much or eventually within the scenes later on in the movie with the being uh, potentially sold and all that stuff with the other the, the difficulties of being a band-aid and the, that eventually yeah. comes full circle that she kind of finds herself and is able to be the real her. And this is one of the first scenes where he's trying to, in my opinion, on, on an emotional level, now that they've established that they have this emotional connection, he's trying to get through to that real her. And he doesn't get there. Not, not for quite a while. <laughs> gets kind of distracted, gets kind of distracted by the girls getting oh, yeah. him into the other room. Even in that scene, though, I, I, know, I know it kind of cuts off, and it's kind of in the beginning of the minute after what we're not what we're gonna look at later. But he even kind of reestablishes that all of this kind of swirling around doesn't really matter. He wants yeah. what's really there. Looks <laughs> right Yeah, and that, that 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 does tie in a little bit, I think, with uh, this probably this is probably the last note I have for this minute myself. But um, uh, you know, like I was saying, the TV tropes. Um, uh, website that I was looking at a good bit, and I'd come across this um, in in another uh, some some other podcast that I've been listening. To, I th- I think maybe I talked about this the, the uh, manic pixie dream girl. Yes, <laughs> that that uh, Penny is here, and and mm-hmm. and you know even even the rest of the band aids kind of <clears throat> I think I think fit in with that as well. Certainly makes sense. Okay. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Because I, I might have missed that. So the idea is that, you know, it's it's someone who is, or, you know, it's, it's a girl, obviously, that, you know, just kind of is, has a bit of this hyperactivity to her. Um, but it's also, it's also, it, it's someone that the, that maybe the main character or some, whatever other character, you know, finds this fascination with as well, I think is important to it. That's that's actually that's a good. Um, I like that analogy for for the character type, um, type because that's that's a classic character type throughout literature where you have the the fey character who's the the mysterious magical creature who then is being like pursued by the knight or pursued by the villagers or is being taught how to be a regular person or any variation on that trope. And so yeah, I, I like that. 
a good yeah. good character. And so the one the one uh the one thing that I kind of thought of and actually did find that she also is a manic pixie dream girl, uh according to TVTropes.com, is in the movie the uh, real genius where oh yeah you know just the opposite happens though but it involves a a restroom where where the the main character Mitch and that the the young similar to William you know where he's he's kind of out of his element a young person out of his element uh but his uh the girl that he kind of then you know they kind of get into a, a bit of a relationship uh Jordan um, in that movie, yeah, that and, she, be, and she that comes into movie. the restroom when he's when he's trying to <laughs> utilize. Yeah, and again, I think if I remember correctly, she just doesn't pay attention to the social aspect yeah. of it. It's just yep. like, "Hi, hey, what's what are you doing?" Oh, I just want oh, to and me being here is, is causing a problem for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a great movie. That's one of the one of the few really good Val Kilmer movies. Um, Condra, was there anything else? It seemed like you were definitely <laughs> excited about um, the idea of the Yeah, <laughs> no. Um Tyler, uh, my brother who's um my co host. Yeah. Uh and I talk about Manic Pixie Dream Girls all the time, mostly because a lot of his favorite movies involve Manic Pixie Dream wow. Girls. Um and we actually brought in Manic we had a Manic Pixie Dream Boy incident in our movie yeah. last week, which was funny. Um but uh so some of the like really famous ones, um the oh uh uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the uh, versus the world. Scott, like one of the most iconic ones, but this idea of um, they're often they have like a reoccurring trope with manic pixie dream girls is like this head tilt thing that uh, Kate Hudson definitely did as Penny in this seat. Like it's this weird like arm movement. Juno is another famous one. Um, Ellen Page and Juno. Um, they they have like these weird head quirks and the speech pattern it it's very much like a early 2000s to like the the 2000s as a decade have a lot of instances of these manic pixie dream girls and um it's interesting to think of of penny lane as one because the time doesn't seem right but she definitely fills in a lot of the characteristics in terms of like floating about not quite fitting into a situation um thinking of things in very odd perspectives um disrupting a lot of the social norms and not obeying social norms in a lot of ways so i had never thought of her as a manic pixie dream girl but now that i do i'm like yeah she definitely fits in with the with the catalog of them yeah you should really uh, make sure to tell tell Tyler. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I will a hundred percent be texting him after this. <laughs> Makes me think of the, the character Delirium from if you ever read the the Sandman comic books. Is she's the goddess oh, okay. of delirium, like she's yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the embodiment of craziness, and that's kind of I keep on picturing her every time I describe it. This little like pink and multicolored hair thing that constantly is talking about the butterflies, all the random stuff in her head. Yeah, Luna Lovegood, I would say. She's not a full-on yeah. because she's not an object. And a lot often they're an object of affection that is uh, ultimately unattainable. So now that, now I keep on having a thought. Every t- um, I don't know if it entirely fits. Catwoman. Now, she's she hmm. is in the story. She's the unattainable love interest of a Bruce Wayne. 
who is like outside of his paradigm is able to do things he's not able to do. Like he's stuck in his rules and in his list, but she's able to go be a thief, but still yeah. able to be part of the thing. And, but she doesn't have the flight of fancy of the manic pixie dream girl. But from all the rest of the characteristics, I think Catwoman might fit. Yeah, I I think she. I personally like see her as too serious. Like there's something yeah like, that, that was quirk that quirky element. It's almost like a yeah. puckish character. Um, in some ways, like Puck from uh, Midsummer's Night Dream. So, yes. Sorry, I have to clear. I do a, like a kid. I do a kid movie for mine, so I always, often have to clarify my finer illusions. One <laughs> <laughs> one of the few Shakespeare's I think I've read <laughs> and, and understood <laughs> reasonably well, <laughs> at least. It's actually actually my my yeah. my favorite. Oh, wow. Much Ado About Nothing is cool. laugh out loud funny. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think we're winding down. Is there any other thoughts for this minute either of you have? Aaron? Uh, no, I think we've covered it all. I, I, I love the, uh, the breaking of barriers that he goes through in these scenes. You know, that he's able to kind of open up and embrace the craziness a little bit i guess i just have one more thing oh, yeah. um uh when we the the start of the minute we see him writing and uh it's russell's fingers fly like airplanes on of music yeah, that's right. and there's a lot of grammatical errors in that and as well as some like apostrophes that are it just was like what would this be used for is he trying to title the piece is he... i noticed that a lot in his notes a lot of his notes, if you tried to read them, would not be able to be used as notes. Like I've tried, to, I've looked at that a lot in the movie myself. Yeah, I, I don't know how he he must write in some weird form of longhand. Those poor poor people at Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that one contract because I did just before we came on. I just went ahead and typed that in real quick to Google without without the Russell part, mm-hmm. and I get. Just probably this one same person on Pinterest has has applied that to Noel Gallagher of, of Oasis. <laughs> uh, well, um, are there uh, uh, things that uh, either of you would like to talk about? Uh, uh, remind us of uh, uh, the things you do. Condra, uh, if you'd like to go first. Sure. Um, I host a I'm part of the Amateur Nerds. I host co-host a podcast with my brother where we break down movies one minute at a time. We are currently working on High School Musical, the 2006 Disney Channel original movie. That's very cool. Yeah, Aaron. I am a. I, I run a group called You Are Not Alone. It's based on um, finding support and finding love and support for the people who are for those who are in that depressive area and finding a little bit of darkness because with all the craziness going on in 2020 we all need that help um so yeah if you are if you are anybody if you know of anybody or if you yourself are in that crisis area please come look me up um there are a lot of people that were around to help you and you definitely are not alone yeah and that that's a facebook group it is a facebook group but you can find me also on twitter i'm yeah. on instagram i'm i'm a lot of places and if you can also see my ted talk on right. youtube just look up i was i was almost a school shooter yeah, it's great, great stuff that you do, and I really appreciate your your work in that that area. 
to help some people out, hopefully. I know, I know you already have. <laughs> I'm very aware that there well, have, um, people have... People Every little have, bit helps. ...have thankfully let their let their issues be known, let, 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 uh, let you and other people know that, that there's... They're having some problems, and that's all right. You can have problems. Just try to seek some help. That's yeah, if way. anybody's listening to this, it, it's okay to feel alone, and it's okay to feel depressed. Just don't let that feeling, don't, don't give in to that. Don't let it take you over. And remember, there are people out here who will help you. There are people who will listen. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's, just, that's just wonderful, and I really appreciate your... Because you, you have one, you have great insights, and and, and as do you, Conjure both both great uh, at uh, looking at these minutes. So we're gonna have you on, I think, for the very next minute here too. Um, minute sixty six next week, I think we'll all be back. Um, and just real quick, a uh, quick plug for Facebook for for, for the, the show as well. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, at uh, facebook.com slash almost famous minute, you can find our page and you can like it. If you if you want to try to try to uh, through Facebook's algorithms uh, stay up to date that way, but also uh, find the Band Aids Listener Society and uh, just please ask to join that, and I'll try to get you in as quick as I can. And uh, one last uh, reminder that uh, this show and and my other show feels like Weezer are both on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and that's a, a whole bunch of podcasts about rock and roll mainly. Um, essentially music nowadays. Um, and you can find that at pantheonpodcast.com. Um, so with you both coming back next week, hopefully, um, until then, that'll be minute 66. And it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.